This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Hello and welcome to another Sims podcast, Making It Happen. My name is Graham Hutchinson, Sims International, and joining me today, I'm delighted to say, is Nick Manson from Hubbit Technology. Nick, Hi. good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. You? Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, really excited to have you guys uh, on a podcast. We're talking something uh, slightly different um, to previous podcasts. We're talking IoT and edge technology and everything and in and around that space. So, Nick, uh, before we dive straight in, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, your experience, um, and a little bit about Hubbit as well. Yeah, sure. So, as as you said, I'm, I'm Nick, uh, a product manager at Hubbit Technology. Um, I've been working within the world of IoT for pretty much almost three years now. Um, prior to that, I was working in the events industry. Um, and a lot to do with technology as well. So when COVID happened, obviously the events industry went kaput. Uh, yeah. So the company I was working for, unfortunately, went out of business and I was looking for something new. And then Hubbit came along. Um, it looked really interesting. Uh, hadn't really heard much about IoT before that. So learning about a new industry has been absolutely fascinating and kind of what goes into things behind the scenes um most people don't know what iot is mm. um because it's such a background kind of technology that people just don't assume that it's there so yeah a little bit about myself um i yeah i, I i'm pretty much involved in everything tech um anything technology interests me and it always has done since i was about five so, well, so you're a self-confessed yeah. geek then? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, I've, I've been building PCs since I was 12 and been building them and maintaining them for my mates. Um, and I, I have a distinct memory of when I was like four or five years old. I don't know if you know the cartoon Dexter's Laboratory. I, I do, yeah. My kids yeah. used to watch it. Yeah, I, I used to get old computer parts on my dad and stick them onto my wall next to my bed and pretend I was him from when I was like four or five years old. So... I think it all stemmed on from there, and then every every job I've had has been involved in technology. So, Ooh. and and now you're at Hubbit. Now I'm at Hubbit, yeah. So dealing with the wonderful world of IoT. So t- tell us about Hubbit, who they are, and what they do. Quick yeah, so minutes. Hubbit, Hubbit, um, we've we've changed how we've done things over the last year or two. Um, so before that, we were mainly a distributor and box shifter for. IoT products such as cellular routers, embedded chipsets mm. for cellular Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, whatever connectivity protocol you might come across in the in the world of Internet of Things. But more recently in the last year, we are now a solutions finder and provider. So we will kind of look into the customer application, speak to the customers a bit more about what they're doing, what they're hoping to achieve any pain points they're suffering and we'll come up with a kind of an addition to their current application mm-hmm. or a complete new solution. So we, we take them for the whole journey from kind of proof of concept to mass deployment. So we like to get involved at, at, in the proof of concept stage where mm-hmm. it's just an idea and we're just kind of hashing things out in virtual meetings or on site meetings, or whatever. So Hubbit, we mainly provide 
the hardware, the software, and and the cloud-based kind of dashboards and that sort of thing. So for a very basic use case, um, one of our customers, they they deal with franking machines. People still okay. use them. Really? <laughs> yep. Um, so they they um, they go into a customer site, and most customers don't like them using their Wi-Fi in the business. So they connect their franking machines to a cellular router, which we provide. And we provide the SIM card that goes with that as well, and the antenna. And then all their data goes into a cloud platform that we've also provided for data visualization. So it's it's the whole journey from A to Z. Um, everything that they would need to view their data. And, and that's that's the direction that we're looking at going is providing the full solution. Mm. So what other industries are Hubbit involved in? Um, you said you know, Franky, Frankenstein's the one. I, yeah, I know that the, the IoT speed space is, is yeah, pretty big. Yeah. Um, are, are there any kind of industries that you specialize in? Um, yeah, but building control, building management, um, utilities, retail. The industries are kind of endless in, in what mm. IoT can be used for. But mm. a lot of our big customers are kind of building management and, and security systems, things like that. Mm. So let, let, let's dive into the actual technology itself. Yeah. I mean, we, we hear about IoT and, and edge devices and, and how, how it's cutting edge. Um, so for, from your perspective, from Hubby's perspective, what what are the cutting edge technologies that you're starting to see adopted in, in the IoT space? Um, is there a particular market shift to you know a particular kind of technology or or, or application, um, next generation that that kind of thing? What's, yeah, what's going on? I mean, it's not necessarily cutting edge, but we've seen a massive deployment in the last kind of six months to a year of the narrowband IoT uh, networks and LTE CAT-M technologies, which are it runs on the four G network but they're extremely low power connectivity kind of protocols. And mm. where they've been around for a couple of years, the infrastructure wasn't quite there, but right. O2 and Vodafone have made a big push to make it more widely available in the UK. So the reason it's so prominent now is that it's the end game is for it to replace 2G. So mm. we've all heard of the 3G shutdown and kind of 3G frequencies being shut down, refarmed for, 4G or 5G, mm. even 6G going in the future. Mm. Um, but NBIoT and LTE CAT-M is what a lot of people are going to be using for things like smart meters, because they all, were all historically 2G kind of devices. Mm. And now that 2G is going, it needs to be shifted in another direction for kind of ultra low power devices. So we've seen a big shift in interest for NBIoT and CAT-M devices saying that as well um edge devices the massive kind of cutting edge mm. kind of device that people can use the the reason for that is mainly for latency and intelligence on site so with a typical non-edge device it will send the data to a, a cloud platform where the cloud platform does all the calculations mm -hmm. and it can take 200 milliseconds to 10 minutes to get a response back to the device to then turn something on or off. Whereas if it's an edge device, it, the calculations can be done on site locally. You don't really send anything up to the cloud and you can get instant responses to turn devices off. For example, uh, a gas main that mm -hmm. is connected to an edge device. You need, 
you need that instantaneous kind of response from a device to say there's a leak here you need to shut down this gas pipe mm. whereas if it was done on a kind of a cellular based router with no edge capability that data would have to be sent up to a cloud then translated some sort of api or ai intelligence would have to decipher that data send it back and that could take 20 seconds and by that point it's too late mm. so we've seen a lot of people interested in edge devices and from our supplier point of view um, a lot of our suppliers are incorporating edge technology within their kind of main devices now mm. so one of our suppliers they have introduced a new 5g router um, but they've kind of rehashed it to include edge capability for that sole reason because it's such a so many people are interested in it now Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be a necessity soon, where AI is kind of taking taking over, basically. Yeah. Um, as we've all seen with with these crazy images that they can produce and mm-hmm. responses and Chat GPT and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. AI, if it kind of feels like Terminator in a way, that's the way it's taken over. But it's, 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 it's yeah, it's that exactly. It's it's the way the world's going. So mm-hmm. edge edge computing is is following that trend because mm-hmm. of the whole kind of AI and instantaneous kind of reporting with no latency yeah it's interesting the head of um google yeah. ai has recently quit as well because he he, he fears for for where ai is heading and its, its capability you know exactly. self a self-learning platform so just just coming back to the um to the edge devices and that that relationship with with the cloud that you mentioned yeah i do obviously this data has got to be stored somewhere and it's got to be stored on on the edge device i mean how yeah. much how much data are we talking about here are we, are we it, talking megabytes kilobytes? it depends on the application entirely depends on the application a lot a lot of the stuff that we deal with is we deal with is very very low data we're talking bytes because mm. it's it's just string data so whether it's an on or off like a zero or one or mm. some of our sensors they they output 16 different kind of parameters where it's four letters so four bytes mm. per mm. per parameter so it really depends on the application it can be you're talking two megabytes a month or you're talking two gigs a month mm. uh, just depending on what they sure. are transmitting and and the intervals they're doing it in obviously iot isn't isn't for kind of cctv monitoring and that sort of thing mm. where you're viewing video mm. i mean it can be but it's not the kind of iot that we provide no so, in, yeah, yeah re- really interesting that the, the sometimes minuscule amounts of data being collected um ranging up to you know terabytes depending on the application exactly so, yeah and yeah. It's, it's, it's funny as well because sometimes the most minuscule amount of data is the most mission most mission critical stuff mm. where you have a for example it we we, we we visited a um a drinking water pumping station yesterday as I bit for one of our customers and one of their main concerns is a, a lid being lifted up or down for one of their um inspection tanks just a, a, sim- a simple lid simple that's it tilt measurement but that's yeah. one of their most important things they need to monitor because obviously for contamination or mm. whatever um that that data is literally yes no and a time mm. um 
So yeah, it, it can literally be bytes of data, but it can be the most important. So yeah, I, I think from like you say, from a contamination point of view, you know, you you need to know who 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 you know where where and when this is happening. To, exactly, so full full traceability. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even that wouldn't even cross my mind to no, no. Have, have some kind of mon- monitoring system and and gathering data on on a a simple lid that opens. And yeah, closes. I mean, it, it was it was pretty eye opening seeing what goes into um like a filtration pumping station for drinking water mm. and the amount of monitoring that needs to be done for a site like that we're walking around and it just, it just blows my mind on how much needs to be done and how much can still be done in terms mm. of sensing and monitoring so a big you know potential opportunity there for you guys to, yeah to, absolutely to be involved and this, this is just this one one i guess it's a water company or a water yeah. treatment center and how many how many dozens or hundreds of those are there around the country that wow. are you know looking Thousands. to invest looking yeah. to invest in in their their infrastructure yeah okay so that that's that's one area that um you know you're you're involved in what, what else are you, are you seeing uh, what other market potential and opportunities are, are coming your way? You know, with with the surge of you know five G, every oh no five G this five G that it's it's yeah. what a lot of people talk about. So, you know, can you just ex- expand a little bit more on um, kind of the market potential in probably in general for five G? Yeah, as you five G is an interesting topic. It always will be um, because there's been so much controversy around around five G. Is it safe? Is it good? How long will it last? All that sort of stuff. In the UK, if you've got a 5G phone, you you know it's not it's not quite there yet compared to the other networks like 4G or even 3G when it when it was prominent. Mm. But it's it's a technology that has the potential to be fantastic in the fact that devices talk to one another within 5G. Um, when it was first introduced, I was actually at MWC um, when Intel kind of introduced 5G. I think it was back in 2016. Mm, Um, And they showcased it as every single device or vehicle or traffic light or pedestrian crossing, whatever, they all have a 5G kind of chip or module in it. They all talk to each other. And through AI, it can work well with things like smart traffic, um, like changing traffic lights when there's no, there's nothing coming, or it senses people walking across the road because they've got five G module in their phone. They know where they are. Um, the potential is huge. It's just getting there in a way that it's it's ready for for the mass production and mass con- mass consumption in the UK. Mm. We've had a lot of interest in it. But a lot of the time, these these five G modules just kind of fall back to four G anyway, because the network's it, it, not there. Is it a case of the network being there, but also um, people in these organisations they say, right, we need we need to adopt the latest technology. Yeah, but their infrastructure isn't quite there yet. It, it's it's a sound idea in principle. You know, we're, we're a modern we're a modern company. We you know we 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 need to invest, but they don't fully understand the yeah the i mean I, I have no doubt that 5g will be the prominent kind of cellular protocol in the future but it's it's marketing campaigns from phones and whatnot saying yeah this is 5g ready get the fastest 5g network in your area blah blah mm. blah i think people see these these adverts from companies like apple or samsung and say that they're super fast 5g is blazing fast and blah 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 but you have to be in a 5g area and near the the cell mast to get Mm. those sort of speeds 
And I think because of that, a lot of companies are kind of trying to adopt this new technology because they think it is the newest and best technology. Yes, Mm. a lot of people are investing into it for future-proofing because these devices do fall back to 4G anyway. And by falling back, I mean, if it's no 5G network, it will go back to 4G. Yeah. So it's, it's backwards compatible. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a future proofing exercise as well, but it's still not cheap. Whereas prices are coming down for five G routers and devices, it's it's still nowhere near as cheap as it is at the moment for four G devices, mm. and that's still putting a lot of people off. So, so when when people want to, we say organisations want to adopt this new 5g technology yeah what are the most important things for them to consider it, you know if they're looking if they're looking to upgrade or they've they've got some kind of in, infrastructure in place uh, you know as, as Hubbit, where would you guys come in and say right have you thought about this 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 have you got this in this system in place or this application what 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 sort of thing questions would you you know would you would you ask um, I mean, we we ask them what they're trying to do with it and what they're currently doing. Um, a lot of the time, they don't need to do the upgrade yet, um, and and that's the kind of honesty that we want to have with our with our customers. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to spend unnecessary money if they don't have to. Um, but the sort of questions we'd ask are things like, how much power consumption. Is it being run off of battery or mains? Because 5G is quite power hungry, as, as you can imagine, the transfer speeds. Mm. So it's, it's things like that that we need to ask them. How is it being powered? Where is it going? Um, and what sort of device? Is it being used in a train or a car? Or is, it, is it static? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's, it's those sort of kind of small questions that we'd ask to understand whether it is an, an, an applicable device for them. Excuse me. Yeah, you're okay there. Yeah, <laughs> take, yeah. Take, 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 yeah. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll do something else, which um, is probably a bit more to do with um, you know, regulatory bodies and, and the government in, in kind of overseeing the deployment of 5G uh, policies regulation um, yeah. for, for, for kind of safe deployment. Um, what, what's your experience in, in that field? In terms of like FCC or CE, that, yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it is a relevant question. Uh, the suppliers we work with that provide the five, 5G devices, they they pride themselves on getting these FCC approvals and CE and RED and e-marking, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's a very important thing, thing to have. Um, but you, you can't legally deploy something without that certification. So, mm. um we don't as Hubbit tend to really be involved with with that sort of certification process unless we are manufacturing our own devices which mm. we are getting into the kind of world of doing so um so it's a consideration that we need to have and if we're developing a product for a customer it's the sort of thing that needs to be spoken about because mm. with with that you've got a whole proof of concept and you've got your initial prototype design and within there you've got the certifications that you have to consider mm. so for example we we had been designing a data logger for a water utility company where we had to it had to be atex zone zero um 
approved, which is basically explosive gases. It needed to be secure for being in, in volatile areas where explosive gases are present. Mm. And that is the sort of stuff that you have to consider. There's there's so much kind of red tape around the certification process. Well, won't go near red tape. No, we can no exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's something that Hubbit are involved with if we make our own products. But it's just understanding if we deploy stuff throughout the world, does it have that the, the necessary certifications? Mm. Well, one one thing I've I, I, I've heard a lot about is is security of these kind of edge devices. Yeah. Um, people hacking into them, you know, stealing data, especially when it comes to surveillance cameras and, and things like that. Yeah. What what sort of consider considerations should um, you know uh, companies looking to deploy this yeah, kind of so technology for, take into account for remote devices? Um, Anything to do with cellular needs to run off a SIM card or similar, uh, whether mm. it's satellite connection or cellular, whatever. Um, for example, the SIM cards that Hubit provide are fixed private IP SIM cards. So they're not publicly accessible um, mm. and they're only accessible through a VPN service, which you either dial into using a secure kind of mm. username password or it's a complete site A to B VPN tunnel through something like an IPsec VPN. Mm. Those are the sort of considerations that customers would need to think about if they want their site to be secure. So if someone's using a public IP SIM card, someone could go around just kind of sniffing out IP addresses, pinging mm. a certain IP address, see if they get a response, and then just flood that IP with data. Mm. It's, happened, it's happened before. Um, way before my time at Hubbit, it's, it's happened. Um, mm. We're talking about 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, there are certain things that customers can do and think about uh, to avoid any kind of like bill shock, they call it. I think, I think it's bill, a bill shock, shock in, in the industry um, with their SIM cards. So as long as things are set up right, then it shouldn't be a problem and and you you limit your user access to these devices so mm. you may only have one or two people that actually know the user credentials for this kind of ad hoc vpn access mm. to their device so it's really a case of um ed education um I'm, education I'm, I'm, I... um and think and, and just being being cyber aware mm. uh, iso 27001 is obviously a huge thing mm. these days mm. I think it's kind of overtaken 9,001. Um, everyone's asking about 27,001, which is the, I think it's the, the cybersecurity and security ISO certification. So it's it's just being aware and education, as you said. Mm. So we, we, we've touched on on 5G. What, what What's beyond 5G? I mean, we, we hear in South Korea, who, who are market leaders in this kind of technology, yeah. you know, adopting 6G, 7G being talked about and implemented, yeah. you know, as the, as the UK PLC, we, we're quite far behind the times. We always have um, been. <laughs> when it comes to technology, we kind of always has been. I mean, 6G is just something that I've, I've only recently just heard about. Mm. Um, I mean, we're still getting to grips of 5G. So there's always going to be advancements of technology that we're currently used to, um, especially in Asia, uh, Japan, mm. South Korea, as you mentioned. They they are always kind of the ones to 
think about this new stuff first and prototype it and trial it. Um, so yeah, there, there's always going to be bigger fish in the sea in terms mm. of this sort of technology. So, mm. but yeah, in terms of 6G, 7G, I'm I'm not too clued up about that because um, it's it's just not. You're focusing on that, the here and now. Yeah, it's not anything that we have to really think about selling in the next 10 years because we're, we're still mm. getting into the realms of 5G mm. um, for IoT anyway. Mm. Obviously for consumer grade stuff like phones and whatever, 5G is, is ready mm. and it's there. I mean, I go around towns and I've got 5G on my phone quite a lot. Mm. So yeah, I think focus on the here and now with technologies like 5G and Edge, um, 6G and 7G will come in time. Mm. No, it, it, it's interesting to see <laughs> UK UK PLC, you know, a market leader in, in so many other fields. But when it comes to technology, that, that we, you know, let's face it, we're we're a hungry nation for yeah. for, for technology. Yet we we lag so lag. No pun intended. Um, we, we're actually so far behind yeah. the curve. I think it's it's, it's a matter of people not ready to adopt new technologies because they, they have systems in place that work for them mm. already so there's that time old saying isn't there if it's, if it's not broken don't fix it okay. but people are going to have to do it eventually because they will be phased out mm. so for example three the 3d shutdown was actually a huge success for Hubbit mm. because so many customers had previously bought 3g devices but they were going offline so they that their hand was forced to upgrade to 4G and even 5G. And it will always happen. Things are always going to be phased out and new technology coming in. Um, but it's, it's just a matter of people not wanting to change what they have because it works for them. Mm. But then a lot of people are kind of blindsided by the fact that how much more it can do for them, this new technology, and how much money it can save them in the long run. Mm. When, when when you've got uh, when you're looking at pound, pounds and pence, uh, yeah, I think I exactly. think that's good. that's that, that's the underwriting factor. Yeah. So, five G connectivity. Um, what what do you think? I mean, this is pure, your your personal view here, Nick. Yeah. You know, exciting applications that might come online in the in the coming years for five G. What, what what are you looking forward to seeing? Um, I th it's what I mentioned earlier is it's the interaction between different devices, um, the kind of seamless interaction that will make life smarter, especially in cities. Um, you've got things like in, in building management, for example, you've, you can have devices that have 5G built into them mm. that will, for example, down a hallway, you have a presence sensor that's got a 5G module built in. It detects someone walking into a room, the air conditioning unit in the 5G that's got a 5G module in will talk to the presence sensor and say, look, there's someone coming into the room, turn the aircon on. It's, it's that sort of stuff where the interaction between devices makes things more kind of seamless and it's more efficient. So mm. you won't have an aircon unit that's just running all the time because no one's mm. in there. Mm. Um, I know it sounds very simple, but a lot of, a lot of places don't adopt this sort, this sort of technology. Mm. So it's, it's just, Making the world a bit of a smarter place is, yeah. is what what I'm looking forward to with with technologies like like 5G and 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 even LoRaWAN things like that. Mm. Um, LoRaWAN's got a huge use case in in building management as well. And so one one thing that that really um, 
excited me when I went to Embedded World uh, in, in Nuremberg uh, just over a month ago. Yeah. Um, there was like this innovation zone, the Taiwanese innovation yeah, zone. Yeah, we were there as well. A, a, a fan, fantastic show. Yeah. Um, and th- th- this this one, <laughs> it was it was a pair of glasses, and it was actually sunglasses that had a camera mm. inside, a kind of up, up, up here, um, and they were AI cameras. So as you were cycling along, whether it's you know on your on your mountain bike or, yeah. or on on the road, it was it was picking out potential potential threats or, or potential problems and yeah. back backing them up to the to you know to your personal cloud. Yeah. You think, crikey, that that's a pair of sunglasses that's mm. adopting all this technology and it's got to be transmitted somewhere. Yeah. So I mean, this this is the thing. Like chipsets are always getting smaller. Like you're talking nanometers in terms of chip size and everything. Batteries are getting smaller and more powerful. Connectivity is getting faster with less power consumption, so these sort of devices are possible. Um, I saw those as well when I was there, and I was I was pretty shocked by them. Is this something out out of a James Bond film from twenty I was, years I was, ago? I was pretty blown away by yeah. them. And as soon as I put them on, I was like, "Wow, this is you know, I'm, I'm a mountain biker, and I thought, wow, you know, if, this is just another gadget that I want." Yeah, yeah. Whether but I'll probably need you've, it. You've got to think of the use cases for this and how how scalable it is. Mm. Because security, some, yeah. yeah, I mean, security is a massive one. You, you know, yeah. if you use these glasses in in the city, riding along, which I can see, you know, tremendous value, you know, for yeah. for that. Um, how, how easy are they to to hack into? You know, hacking into your personal personal cloud as well. Yeah, and that's that, that's also a talking point. Um, you remember five ten years ago, iCloud hacks and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's always a prominent conversation, and especially in 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 the corporate world, mm. where security is one of the number one things at the moment. People are concerned where certain modules are manufactured and built, mm. where in the world they're built, and they don't want to buy them from X country, or yeah. they don't want it shipped through X country. That that sort of stuff. Um, even though ninety nine percent of the time it's fine, but mm. it's it's just that lingering thing in the back of their head. Mm. It's this chip's been manufactured here why mm. w- what risks does that impose mm. to me um is my data safe and all that sort of stuff so yeah the prominence of cybersecurity these days especially in the last two years I've, i i feel has has skyrocketed mm. a lot of people are asking questions about are these things secure and things like that yeah, it's. I mean, it's a topic that we could talk all, all day, all yeah. day about. And you know, there there are there are much better experts out there than than Absolutely. you and I. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic. You know how the how these wearables can be that need to be secure. Um, yeah. So let let's let let's move on. Um, you know, you're 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 product manager at Hubit, and yeah, you've you've seen lots of great stuff being being built and, and sent out you know yeah. we, we, us you know sims and habit we we work together um just from a personal point of view are there any concepts um sorry are there any projects that you've particularly enjoyed working on and you mentioned you know how to do the concept completion yeah um are there any ones that stand out in particular that you're, um, you'd like to share i mean yeah there, there was there was one when i first started at habit i was actually an account manager um so i was i was doing sales for a bit um and then in my transition from account manager to product manager, 
I was working with a customer that that worked within the agriculture sector. So they they build kind of monitoring systems for farming. So they will monitor how often an animal feeds and drinks and estimates their size and mass. Um, it's not for a very nice industry. It's for slaughtering <laughs> it's, industry. You, um, I mean, you don't you don't associate no you know, this kind of technology with farming. You, you think no, kind of tractors no, exactly. and combine harvesters and milking cows. It's... Yeah, exactly. But this this device, the guy was actually building himself um, in his garage, and it was meant to be a kind of waterproof and dustproof box. But he kept finding spiders and insects and things eating away at his cable. So it's <laughs> obviously not very uh, waterproof if things get inside and we initially spoke to him and we said look what what are you doing and all he wanted to do at the time was buy a router from us and we we just kept trying to open that conversation to him because he wasn't aware of what we did as a company he thought we were just a box shifter Mm. so this was the transition between us being the box shifter as i mentioned to the solutions finder and things like that so we finally got it out of him that yes, he's building these boxes in his garage, but he doesn't have have the workforce and the time and the money to buy these devices and put them together and this, that, and the other. So we said to him, look, we can do that for you in-house, build you a few prototypes and get them shipped out to you and your customer so they can test them. So this was a project that I, I picked up um, from Proof of Concept, built the prototype, got it sent out to him i think i built four units for the first prototype and it's within this box it's a it's a steel enclosure a, a galvanized steel box that he hangs up on a wall and in there is uh, an embedded pc um which he runs his software on mm. to monitor the animal farming and all that sort of stuff a cellular router um some usb inputs ethernet inputs and some 24 volt output for power he connects his cameras to them and yeah it it just worked for him because we we took that stress off his hands so he could focus on developing his software properly Mm. we built the hardware sent it to him he sent it to his customer for a six months test and they were overjoyed with it and since then we've built kind of 40 50 units by hand um we're hoping in the future that it's going to be a lot more where we'll have to outsource the manufacturing because there's only a few of us here really um and i'm I'm not going to build 400 units every month myself so it, it was just nice seeing the project from proof of concept to not mass deployment but to it being a finished product and mm. a product with a part number and a serial number and have have it all ready so that's one that stood out for me because it, it was probably my first one that, that mm. I've I've dealt with mm. solo and got it over the line for our customer. Mm. So I, I think the, the the take the takeaway from that, Nick, is you know, from from concept to completion, Hubbit yeah. can 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 build you a system, whether it's absolutely it, yeah. it, it's a one off proof of proof of um proof of concept through yeah, to yeah. you know a, you know a production run. Yeah, you know, we, we we did it all in house. We we built the billing materials. We brought everything in, did the schematics, the wiring diagrams, uh, certification, um, brought, brought all the bits together and pro- provided him with a finished boxed solution, mm. which he could just get sent, send it out and not have to worry about it. 
amazing I, it's like yeah. agri- agriculture as well you, you just think that what a vast operation it is on you know on on a farm uh with, with your arable dairy you know you've, you've I, I th- things are getting so smarter to to track yeah track your animals even you know yeah and your, your, i mean it's, 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 been, it's things it's, like it's tracking your machinery tracking the animal farming all that sort of stuff but then it's even monitoring your crops you've got ph sensors for soil you've got humidity levels for soil automatic kind of watering systems that go across your crops mm-hmm. and it's all battery powered and wireless That's um, and it's, it's just all run by by a smart api mm. but the problem is a lot a lot of these farmers and people in this industry they don't want to adopt this new sort of stuff because they've been so hard hit by covid and mm. everything they don't have the resources and the money to invest in mm. this stuff w- without a government grant because mm. um, as I said, they were so hard hit by by COVID, um, and in the last three years, IoT has really taken an upward surge. Mm. In, so the the you know the, the farming industry is is to a certain degree playing playing catch up with this technology. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It, and, it can benefit them so much mm. over but, the in, in in the long term. It can benefit them so much. Yeah, but as as you rightly point out, Nick, it comes down to funding. You know, the, these these yeah. systems aren't aren't cheap, but um you know who where who knows where the future future will take us um exactly. so i i've got to say Nick, that was um it's been really great to talk to you today yeah, um, likewise. um thanks for for sharing your experiences and talk to us about hubit technology yeah um fascinating insight uh ladies and gents thanks for watching nick thank you very much thank you and we look forward to you joining us on the next making it happen sims podcast Thanks very much. Cheers.